Hi, my name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Chad Epstein, who is the Managing Director of Metro Detroit Metals. Chad started Metro Detroit Metals as a buyer and seller of ferrous and non-ferrous metals in the Detroit area in the fall of 2020. Prior to that, he was in sales and purchasing at H&H Metals Corporation for about seven years and with GLE Metals for a few years before that. Thanks for coming on the show today, Chad. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. So to start things off, how did you get started in the recycling industry? And what were you doing before you came into the industry? So I had a friend that got me in a, a job in an electronic recycling facility. It was a very hands-on and operations type of job, a warehouse manager actually. And he just got me the job because he wanted to make more money. And the way to make more money was to go into sales. So that was, he wanted to fast track his way into sales. So they basically told him in order to go into sales, you have to replace yourself. And then he picked up the phone and called me. I wasn't really doing anything productive at the time with my life. I was in my early twenties. I was working at a property and casualty insurance agency. I was like licensed to sell property and casualty insurance. I was waiting for something to click and, you know, it was pretty much my calling. Got it. And what made you want to stay in the industry? Um, I just loved it. I loved the pace. I actually was at a very interesting point in my life. And I feel like this business always brings people in at interesting points of their life that have a little bit of an alternative path to get to the scrap industry or their family owned a business, or they had a friend that wanted them to work for them, you know, something such as that. I was the one that took the alternative path. I was a troubled youth, so to speak. I was incarcerated from 16 to 17. So when I got out, I was always looking for, like I said before, something to click. I found consistency with it. Um, I loved it. And I found somewhere to like release. I had a lot of, uh, I guess you could call it anger for a young man. So I was actually into boxing and MMA and competing in both sports. And then I kind of found scrap and it was basically my calling. Awesome. And what were some lessons that you learned from some of the scrapyards that you've worked for in the past? So I learned so much about relationships, people, just life. But the main thing I learned, um, the first place I worked at, I really learned the day to day you know, the uh, operational stuff, the acute activity of the yard. Um, And then the last place I worked at, I really learned how to run a business. Uh, The analogy that I like to give is I was an assistant coach and the way that the assistant coach gets the head coach job is he keeps stuff from stacking up on the coach's desk. He keeps the coach's desk clean. And, you know, if there's one thing I did at the last company I was at was I kept the coach's desk clean. I never let one thing pile up on his desk. I dealt with everything right on the front lines before it could even get to the officer's tent. So I dealt from the front lines to the back to everything. And I actually learned full cycle how to run a business. And it was a great experience. Now, just this last year, you started Metro Detroit Metals. What kind of prompted you to start your own business? And what were kind of your goals going into that? So I've always wanted to start and run my own yard since I was in the business. Uh, It really clicked a couple years in. Um, that I knew that that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I loved it. My goal with Metro Detroit Metals is to be able to be a true artist at this point in my career and paint the best picture through commitment, loyalty, service, and always holding my word 100% of the time. 
you know, when I use the analogy in artists, we're all artists, you know, running a business, you're the artist, you're actually controlling the paint and you're controlling the fibers that you're painting on. Um, and I've never been able to do that myself. I was always working for other people. And when you work for other people, they almost put you in a box. And then as you build trust and loyalty, they make that box bigger. And I never really needed a box around me. Um, and that's kind of why I started this company so I could have the freedom to do it the way that I want it done, you know, for the rest of my career and take ownership in it. Awesome. Now, could you tell me a little bit about what was it like launching a business in 2020? I mean, that was a pandemic. We all kind of had a crazy year, I'm sure. So what did you learn in that process of starting during a pandemic? Uh, well, you know, 2020 was a very crazy year and it all out of everybody's control. It's been a very interesting ride. It's probably been more challenging to start a business this year than any other time. So it's like if you can make it through the toughest time ever, um, unexpected tough time, you should be able to make it through anything and be resilient through anything in the future. And, uh, you know, we've grown pretty well thus far. And uh, I continue to, I plan on continuing to keep the momentum and the growth going. And it's, it's very challenging. I mean, my job is to keep these guys busy 50 plus hours a week um, when manufacturing, when business, when everything, there's just less of everything going on. And it's really nothing that anybody can do to change it. It's been tough, but we're, we've been making it. I mean, a lot of it has to do with relationships with customers and commitments and just a verbal, you know, a, sh a handshake still does mean something in today's day and age, especially in this business. It's one of the last businesses that somebody gives you their word or shakes their hand um, and you know that they're going to deliver, you know that they're going to come through it for you. Now, could you tell me a little bit about the facility itself? What does it look like? What kind of equipment did you add? And what was it like putting all the pieces together to get that up and running last year? It was very challenging. Um, we spent, it was just me and my manager here for the first six weeks, just cleaning up the yard with the old skid steer loader and a old high-low. And then, you know, like any other business, you start to by equipment. The facility we purchased fortunately already had a truck scale and was already a scrapyard. So we had the perfect bones already here. So about eight weeks in, we got a Liber crane. Now we also have a Komatsu shear. So we have two cranes. One has a shear to cut on it. We ended up getting a new Bobcat, three high lows. So we pretty much have all of our equipment sound. We just ordered an HRB baler. Um, so that should be here in about a month. So we've pretty much in the first six months really built our infrastructure pretty sound. And that's what I've really focused on. And especially in this time to be able to do it that quick, uh, it's been an incredible ride. I just want to continue enjoying it. Looking back at the startup, is there anything that you would have done differently if you could get a do-over at Metro Detroit Metals? Yeah, I probably would have came here a couple months earlier and cleaned the property up <laughs> um, prior to opening up and everything. but realistically no it's all it's one of the things in life where timing and things come together and uh this is really what this has been for me now what kind of commodities are you handling at the facility and how are markets for those materials doing right now so we normally handle commodities from other dealers scrap yards junk yards demolition companies um, utility companies that work with the city of detroit um, the markets have been strong, especially after a really rough couple of years in scrap. It seemed like you couldn't ever catch a good market. Um, and, you know, steel went up for a couple months. Things, copper has been stable. 
So they've been all right, but it's starting to dip back down, but it's very cyclical. It's always up. It's always down. You just have to become attritious to that. And you have to become immune to it. Eventually it's just part of your day to day. It's up, it's down and you adjust. Now, when you're not working at Metro Detroit Metals or in the scrap industry, what do you do for fun? So I actually, like I said, I used to compete in MMA and boxing. I had to stop in 2012 because I had a bad neck injury and a surgery. I took on a role in coaching for a couple of years. Once COVID happened, you know, all the boxing gyms in Detroit shut down. I have a gym in my garage, a boxing gym. I spend a lot of time in there. I do yoga. I'm actually a vegan. I spend a lot of time cooking. I'm in the process of starting my own YouTube channel for, you know, vegan cooking and recipes and stuff. That's, that's pretty much the gist. I have two Dalmatians. I study leadership and read books on it. And that's pretty much it. And once in a while, I'm lucky to get on a recycling podcast. Excellent. Yeah. And we'll have to share the YouTube channel once you get that up and running. So definitely some fun facts there. On a more broader level, what would you say are the biggest challenges within the recycling industry right now? What's kind of concerning you and your coworkers? I think it's, you know, with every industry, there's like a lack of morale. There's a lack of labor. People don't want to work. Um, it's just a very interesting time. I don't even think it's just because of COVID. I think just in our economy, you know, there's an old saying, I don't know it exactly, but it's like tough times make tough people, tough people make easy times and easy times make not so tough people. And that, that's not exactly the correct phrase. Um, but I feel like we're in such a phase with the baby boomers working so hard and making it so easy. And now it's like everyone just wants to rely on a machine and nobody wants to work. And we're almost at like a reset period. And we almost need some of those tougher people to step up to get through these tougher times and make another harder person again. I think that that's in all industry, though. I do not think that that's in scrap. I think that's unilateral. And I think my friends that are in other industries complain of always needing better people, always needing better people where, you know, I've been in this business for 12 years and five years ago, my friends that were running law offices and doing other things, they weren't constantly complaining about people. So I think right now people, which as we all know can be your biggest asset right now are the biggest, from what I see, the biggest problem in business and particularly the scrap business. Got it. Could you expand on that a little bit more with, you know, people being a big asset, but also, kind of a problem right now? Well, it's like you need them and you need good loyal people in every business, of course, but at the same time, the way that this business is trending, um, and you know, we all know that in this, the medium or lower skilled labor level, right now you're gonna have a struggle to hold on and retain employees. So it's like something has to give. So you have to keep working on a tighter margin and buying more scrap to make more money to give them more or the owner and the higher paid people need to create some balance and maybe take less money so these people can step up and get more and you know i've heard you hear a lot of people talk about how can we make it better for them well maybe you could pay them more now how can you pay them more you have to figure it out because they're not going to figure out how to make more money for themselves you have to keep them busy it's our jobs as executives as management as owners to grow these people and if you give them path and guidance to grow, they will. So, you know, sometimes you have to give up a little on your own to keep better people or retain them, you know, whatever sacrifice it takes, really. But listen, I'm 34, so I'm still learning every day. 
um, and perfecting my craft as well. So it's like a constant, you're constantly learning about people. Now shifting gears a little bit, what are some technologies that you hope to see the scrap industry embrace more? What are you excited about? So I actually think this industry is always going to be a little bit behind. It's like a dinosaur industry. I mean, there's companies that sell 50 to $100 million of scrap and have POs uh, with uh, blue sticky tack on walls, you know, where they can afford software and systems to handle all of their paperwork. I mean, it would be cool to see a drone fly over a scrapyard and tell you what's in every pile, what commodity, how much weight. I mean, we're extremely far from that. Um, Aside from that, I mean, it's going to keep going greener. It's all about fuel efficiency. We're always trying to figure out how to save more fuel, save on oil, be cleaner, uh, be better in terms of environmentals as an industry. Technology, I think we're still behind on the current technology in the world. So I think we still have some catching up to do in the scrap business. Got it. And where do you see the industry heading in the next three to five years? Do you think some of that includes like new technology, people actually embracing it? Or what other trends do you think the industry will be looking at in like a couple of years here? Uh, I don't think it will change that much in the next three to five years. I think it changed in the last three with you know, not as much stuff going to China, more stuff staying domestic. Um, it will, I'm sure there will be more, a little bit of shakeup in the export markets, but there really always has been my whole career. You always see stuff going to India, then it's going to China, then it's going back to India. Um, so I think it will continue to evolve and change. I just think that there's, a, there's an adjustment period and uh, it's going to take some time for you know, an industry that's already, like I was saying, behind on technology to just immediately change so much. Um, the markets are always changing the way that people hedge and cover themselves. You know, they're always being safer, it seems like, as companies get larger and consolidate. But that's going to always happen in every industry. So I don't see too much dramatic change in three to five years, but I'm also you know, not a genie. Now, as a final question, where do you see your business heading in the near term future? Do you have any goals for this next year here? Yeah, my goal is to eventually run two shifts to be busy during the day buying and, you know, buying from our industrial accounts and then processing at night and then reloading during the day. Um, a lot of the, I'm in the Midwest, so a lot of the secondaries and places that we ship to, you know, run a couple shifts as well. So my goal is to maximize and max out the facility I'm at right now and then continue to grow from there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Chad. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 